Hey Coconut, so yes, recently we ran a poll on our Telegram group to ask you what do you want to learn, you know, what do you want us to focus on and not surprisingly, everybody wants to focus on increasing their income. <laughs> That's why you tune into a financial podcast every week. So together with Adrian, a great friend of the show, I'm going to run a three-part series with him to focus on how do we go about getting that income raise. So essentially go in and negotiate for that raise so that you make more money and that is the top line of your whole financial structure. So in these three parts we're going to do before going to ask for the race, during asking the race and after asking the race, if, what if you don't get the race, what's going to happen? And in today's episode, we're going to focus on the before portion, right? So today we're going to talk about, yeah, essentially what should you prepare before you go in and knock on your boss's door and say, hey boss, I want a pay raise. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So good morning everyone and welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we're debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices and discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it, ultimately empowering us create a life we love while managing our finances well. My name is Reggie aka Your Chief Financial Coconut and yes, today we shall begin our pursuit of raising our income. So yes, Adrian, uh, happy to have you back on the show. <laughs> Thanks, uh, by now. <laughs> so, wow, your kusu has everything, everything. You've been on the show for quite a few times. But for all the listeners that are tuning in and they don't yet know you, yeah, do you want to elaborate on who you are, what you do, and blah, blah, blah? Sure, happy to. So, I'm Adrian. I uh, was a uh, former HR entrepreneur, started my business in HR in 2004 from recruitment, went into career coaching, uh, outplacement, HR consultancy, eventually gone into HR technology. Uh, so two jobs ago, I was heavily in that space with an enterprise HR company. Before going into the education space, uh, being the neutral party in educating the market, what needs to be done when it comes to the future of work. Is, is that a true neutral party? Uh, you try to be, <laughs> la, you try to be as neutral as you can. La. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, hashtag sponsor. Mm-hmm. La. Uh, so, <laughs> so you try your best to do so. And uh, But having said that, I have more or less uh, pivoted away from that. Right now, I'm playing more of a marketing strategist role, which is what, more of my one-man show. La. But targeted specifically for companies that would be looking to sell to HR departments, helping them to market themselves better, especially for smaller companies that may not have the capabilities to hire their own marketing department. So in terms of HR careers-wise, been there, done that, have seen so many times. I'm still frequently giving talks to universities, schools, uh, sometimes even to uh, PMEs on how to navigate the career landscape. Uh, I'm, I'm very fascinated when it comes to job search, la, especially because they are really, if you really think about it, for HR departments, since 20 years back compared to now, there's so many different kinds of technology. There's ATS, uh, there's robot recruiter, etc., etc. But when you look at Job seeker, uh, still the same thing. Your A4 size paperwork mm-hmm. document. 
is whether you can type faster or not. Lor. That's about it. <laughs> so, but by having said mm. that, I realized it is really just a matter of digging deeper. There's actually a lot more th- stuff out there. And these are things that I'm very passionate to share with the audience. Nice, nice. And you have a new show coming up, right? So you currently already run your own show, which our audience probably already know, called The Adrian Tan Show. And uh, you have a new show, right? What, what, what is this new show? Let's plug it here first. Oh, the new show is actually a collaboration with Channel News Asia. It's called Work It. Uh, we haven't officially launched it as the time of this recording. Uh, but it is very much centered around work matters. So my... My podcast, my personal podcast is really more towards the future of work technology aspect of things. Although I did touch on a few uh, guests who are in very interesting career pivots, but ultimately not so much work, work related. So the this CNA one uh, gave me a premise to collaborate with one of the producer and to really dig a bit deeper on work matters. So if I were to distill it down, basically my podcast is work of the future, whereas the CNA one is work that is happening today. Okay, work it. Nice. Uh, and if the show blows up, then uh, we'll try to watch out you. We'll try to... <laughs> We're trying, trying to dig Adrian with the show in, right? So, but yeah, check out his podcast and thank you for taking time in with me. So today we're going to try a new format, right? It's a little bit of an algorithm killer because we're going to cut it into three parts. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to focus on uh, essentially tips on how to ask for more money, right? Because I think we recently run a poll on a Telegram group and a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, uh, my focus is to try to increase my income. And for the many listening in, uh, many of us do work for companies and pretty much that's the main source of income, right? So maybe Adrian, before we begin, right, why do you think we should ask for more money? (laughs) I think everybody kind of knows like internally, it's like, yeah, I want to, you know, have a little bit more cafe. I want to buy my house a bit closer. I want to travel a little bit more, right? So so those are very real uh, desires, but in your view, uh, why should I ask for more money? I think there's a number of instances why you should consider asking for more money. And uh, uh, if I were to distill it down, it's really five key areas that you should look at. One, of course, you've been working there for a long time. And when I say long time, it is at least a year. Lah. So that will provide... A, a year considered long already. Yeah. Oh, in today's context, a year considered long. I mean, it's long, <laughs> it's long enough... No more long-term service or what, bro? No more 10, 15, 20... <laughs> it's definitely not long enough for long service or what, but it is sufficient enough uh, for you to really knock on your boss door and say, hey boss, can I talk to you for a second? And really deep dive into this topic because you have at least a year of period to trial and error, experiment and to see what works, what doesn't and importantly to collate sufficient uh, good performance to showcase. And of course, the other thing is you may have taken on new jobs and obligation. So those are things that you may want to put into consideration as well. And of course, your performance has been better than expected. When you are performing well beyond benchmark, and this is something that I believe everyone should really stand up and say, hey, then I think I deserve to get more salary as well. uh, The other thing, of course, if we look around us today, everything has been inflated. From your housing, uh, I stay in Passeri. Someone just bought a one million dollar EA here in Passeri. Passeri's got one million dollars. Passeri's also, also got one million dollar. Okay. I'm officially in a million dollar estate as well. Why? Why? Why would anybody want to stay there? I, I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea, and, and it's very far away from MRT. I have no idea. Maybe Feng Shui, I don't know. So, so HDB to your food to your utilities, everything has gone up. But salary has so far stayed very stagnant. And also, I think the, the last thing is right now, especially in Singapore, we are in an employee market. Uh, for many of the functions as well as industries out there, companies are struggling to hire. Uh, whether they are in manufacturing, in tech startup, in banking, fintech, you name it. Lah. 
every company out there is struggling, uh, which is why I think all this combination of factors, even if they are isolated, it is really a good premise for employee or to to make use of the situation. Because if you don't use this kind of situation to ask for a salary increase, what are you waiting for? Recession? Ah? That doesn't make sense. Right? <laughs> so I think the timing of it also matters a lot. And right now, with all this taken into consideration, I think it's really a very good juncture, provided you have some form of longevity in the company. Lah. And as we did, uh, discussed earlier on, at least a year. Lah. Nice, nice. Uh, so before we begin on this first part of our discussion, I want to dig your brain a little bit deeper on the whole idea of unionization. Because currently, I'm in London, right? So uh, being in London, there was a recent union strike. Pretty much. And and exactly like what you say, right? It's because of inflation and then the people want to get more money and they want to... Essentially, they want to collectively negotiate, right? But in Singapore, not very common. I don't hear this thing. I don't know what our unions are doing. So, I just want to get clarity from you. Do people collectively negotiate or is it always a man for themselves, right? Which is pretty much the part that we're going to talk about, lah. Mm, I think it really much depends on the function of the role. I deal mainly with white collar or what Singapore would deem as PME, la, professional manager mm. executive. Uh, when you look at those categories of people, right? firstly, they are not even covered by Employment Act. I mean, to some extent, but they have their own employment agreement. Everything is between the company and the individual. Of course, within the bending and the perimeter of what the company and the HR department set forth. Union kind of stuff actually make more sense when it is more for a larger group of audience and predominantly in the very blue-collar space. Like the union for, let's say, bus captains. Union for factory workers of this company because they have 100 over factory workers, etc. But I think we also noticed since the beginning of Singapore, not as if we're very old, but at least based on what we read, <laughs> Um, Singapore started as a basic manufacturing hub and then we progressed, you know, one of the what four, four or five tiger, lion, I, I don't know what, what, what's the term anymore. But basically, yeah, we, we, we started in the manufacturing space and then, uh, but we are being priced out. So right now, people don't come to Singapore to manufacture. They go to uh, Taiwan, uh, Vietnam, etc., etc. And studies have also shown that the percentage of PME has gone up significantly. In fact, if I don't remember wrongly, I think by 2030, if I don't remember wrongly, uh, NTUC is looking at up to 60 plus percent of our total workforce being PME. So you can imagine, you know, when NTUC first started or the union here first started, almost close to 100% of the workforce are their target audience. But it has shrunk to 30%. And moving forward, it will continue to shrink because we just don't have that market. So I, I do think to some extent, they can still play a better part, especially for uh, the people who are undertaking those roles. Because if we look at things from an education and a demographic perspective, you can somewhat define them as a vulnerable group for a variety of reasons. And because of that, they do they do benefit from certain form of uh, representation which could put them in a better light and to do so collectively. Nice, nice. Yeah. And maybe maybe the PMEs should unionize also. Right. But that's a different discussion for another day. And uh, focusing on, on this series that we're going to do, uh, I think today's episode, we're going to focus on before asking for money, right? So you have uh, worked for a year, you have some experience <laughs> and all that jazz. Uh, what is the point number one before we prep for asking for money? I think point number one is really to find out your worth. Find out how much can you expect to get. 
And there are a lot of different ways for you to gather those information. A quick and dirty way, of course, is to go to MOM website. Uh, they actually provide salary information, I think, on a bi-yearly basis. Uh, having said that, do take note. Lah. Uh, information usually from MOM are pretty dated. They usually release six months after they have collated. Uh, you probably would have also seen recruitment companies, Kelly Services, Adeco, so on and so forth, uh, putting out salary guides. And some of them are very specific to uh, a, a, a particular industry. And those will be interesting reference to look at as well. Having said that, I came from the recruitment industry and recruitment companies right, make money from a percentage of the placement. Meaning to say the higher your salary, the better it is for me. So there might be some cynical reason why they may want to, you know, inflate the salary guide. Lah. So you may want to <laughs> take note and provide uh, the relevant discount factor. Of course, you can go to website lah, like Glassdoor. Some people will put it openly up there. Uh, there's also salary site like Payscale, etc. In Singapore specifically, there's a company called Salary Board. Uh, B-O-A-R-D. And the premise is really more as a compensation tool for companies, but they also have an individual front end where you can go in, put in, say, your job title, whether you're SME, MNC, uh, whether your job has management oversight, so on and so forth, uh, and come up with the right perimeter and show you, okay, this is how much other people in the same function are getting. So this is where you should be. So all this information, I think, collectively will be very useful for you to get a mean. La. So don't just depend on a single source of truth because usually it is not true. La. So you want to gather as many information <laughs> as possible and try to aggregate mm -hmm. them. No? So that is one thing. And the other thing, of course, you can, you can just talk to people. La. I'm very certain within your function, you don't work in isolation. Even if you do, you probably know of peers who are working in your competition. So the, the guy working at SIA most likely know the lady who works at MAS or whatever. Lah. So within networking sessions or maybe within some, some form of events, etc., there's always occasion where you can do can meet up and to discuss more. Of course, not meet up and immediately, hey, how much you get? Huh? This is not those awkward <laughs> Chinese New Year setting. But you, you want to, of course, have a better understanding of at least the kind of scope that they are providing. And that may help you to uh, decipher better because one thing that I also do realize, which my friend from Salary Reboot told me because he, he's a founder, he's a CEO. He told me something which I remember very fondly, which is the CEO of DBS Bank differs from CEO of Salary Board, which back then was, I don't know how many headcount. And rightfully so. So when you look at a lot of salary guide out there, they will tell you, oh, CEO, this amount, not accurate one. CEO of a one-man shop versus CEO of Citibank, you're drawing very different salary. You have different bonus structure. So with understanding of at least your peers, their scope, the coverage, regional, local, the number of people that they manage, etc. Uh, whether you manage five people, they manage 20 people, all this will have a significant impact on the salary. Even if you guys are earning the same amount, uh, the scope alone that the other person is doing will overwhelm you already. So those are small little things that one has to take into consideration. But I think that's a little bit of an extreme example, right? CEO of a small startup and CEO of a huge MNC. Um, but what about managers, right? I think because most of our listeners, they will be like, you know, maybe executive trying to enter the managerial realm, right? So they kind of manage the same amount of people, let's say 5, 10 people, but some can be a 5, 10 small department in a big company. Some can be a 5, 10, maybe half the company just to manage already, right? So it, is, there, is there also a lot of salary divergence in such 
such a situation where we manage the same amount of people, but one is in a relatively smaller company, one is in a bigger company? Uh, for sure, for sure. And this is happening, I think, much more prevalent because of all these crypto companies. I'm sure you've heard of companies, crypto companies that only pay by tokens. They don't pay by salary. Mm-hmm. So how do you benchmark against mm-hmm. that? Very hard to benchmark. My benchmark today versus my benchmark tomorrow different eh? because your token price keep fluctuating. <laughs> How do I benchmark? So that's one thing. The and best thing is they issue their own token. They don't even need to pay you in real money. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, exactly. because they own the currency. <laughs> but yes, yes. So, 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 so the other thing to take note of and I have shared this example before, you also have to take into consideration the kind of profit margin that the company is selling. If you want to go and bank table and ask for a huge raise in a company like Apple that makes what kind of ridiculous margin on an iPhone I think you can safely say you're more or less quite safe. Lah. But if your company manufacture paper clip or sell toothpick, what is the kind of margin? <laughs> how much, mm-hmm. how much <laughs> percentage of salary increment can you ask? I think those are things that you have to take into consideration. But of course, by and large, across the board, if you were to factor in things like, okay, like you are in manufacturing, I'm in F&B, I manage 5 cow, I manage 5 cow. Of course, there will be certain things that will be quite common, but the industry disparity will then come into play. Lah. Manufacturing maybe is still very 8 to 5, for instance. Mm, F&B, 12-hour mm. shift. We can also need to work. There has to be some hardship labor factored into the salary as well. So when we compare, we always have to compare like for like. If you compare across industry, there's a lot of things you have to account for, which is why when you look at salary guide uh, or cost of living index across country, uh, they always factor in a lot of things right? to, mm. to make sure that they can arrive at a common denominator. Otherwise, you go haywire, you compare the, the car of a, a BMW X5 in, in Singapore versus the one in London. I was told, I remember many years ago mm. when I was still driving mm. that. Mm. Uh, by the way, uh, X5, I think in Singapore, I don't know, like 300 plus thousand. Uh, my ex-colleague back then, do you want me to tell you how much an X5 costs in London? Please don't tell me. Please don't tell me. It costs 35,000 pounds. <laughs> 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 yeah, and it doesn't help our COE is in six figure now, right? It's still in the hundreds of thousands, or whatever the number is. Yeah. So and, and all these are essentially scattered information, right? So we try to find out the median in the market. We try to find out what our friends in the same sector, you know, uh, are being paid, or if even similar company size they're being paid. Then how do we put it together to evaluate our own worth? So I, I think, of course, you have to be really confident that you are delivering good work. And that most likely can come in the form of uh, getting the kind of positive feedback on your regular one-to-one session, on your performance review session. So once you're confident with that, and also to get a better footing on what other companies are paying the same headcount, that is where I believe you can have the courage to really explore further. Not just to go straight in, but really to explore further. And what do you mean by explore further? Because I, I have not actually completed uh, some other aspect of who you can, uh, the, the kind of data points you can collect. One key data point that you can collect, which is very useful and very current, although it can be quite survival bias, uh, is to talk to headhunter. Because headhunter, they deal with companies day in, day out. In fact, on a hourly basis, they'll be talking to some hiring manager from different companies. Especially if you talk to a headhunter in your niche. Let's say this headhunter only does fintech placement or only places CFO. Uh, you know straight away, uh, whatever numbers he or she gives, right, would be a good number. And importantly, importantly, these people, again, has vested interest. So if you happen to talk to them, it will give you a sense of what is the actual acceptable value that a company company can undertake. And that will give you more confidence to 
go into your boss office and ask for that specific number. So again, it is just one data point. Need to gather all these data points to make sure that, okay, when I gather the, the average of all these data points, I look at where I am, actually, there's a disparity. I'm quite far away. I think I am in that position to ask for more. Over and above that, I've been performing well. I've been consistent. I never talking. I never MC on a long weekend. <laughs> uh, those kind of stuff. So all this put into play, I think that would really give you the opportunity and the right timing to ask for the salary increment. Nice, nice. And I think you, in the beginning of our episode today, you did mention a little bit on the changing job scope, right? Because it is true, right? Once you, you sit in a company for a period of time, uh, the scope will, is ever-changing, right? Because the company keeps moving a new project, new direction. So yeah, at the end of a year or two, right, your, your job may be very different from how you first started. So yeah, ask, ask for more money. Lah. Okay, which brings us to point number two uh, before asking for more money and that is? So the, the, the point number two is really a precursor before asking, which is really to keep track of how you've been doing. And I think there's something that we all struggle to and do. And before we continue, <laughs> we must have a word from our sponsor. Okay, <laughs> if no sponsor, no show. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, yeah. So keeping track of our performance, help us elaborate a little bit. How do we how do we keep track? How do we even know that we are performing? Because you keep talking about it, right? Like, oh yeah, we are performing. You know, you you must be performing so that you can negotiate. But how do I know I'm I'm performing? So this is uh something that you can gather feedback from your manager, and of course, uh, there are certain companies, certain settings, certain managers. I would say that don't really even bother lah. I know people who have gone through jobs decades in their jobs and or every time just meet my manager to sign form only lor. that's their performance review the big paper uh, <laughs> performance review that that actually doesn't doesn't materialize to anything i remember speaking with uh, a hr director of a school a large school in singapore and he was telling me our performance appraisal is actually done after our bonus period and i'm like that, then what's the point oh no paperwork law <laughs> it's just paperwork so that may not be helpful in certain settings, which is why you have to keep track of it yourself. Recently, I read a very interesting uh, Medium article about this guy and, and he mentioned something along this line and he called it a BRAG doc, B-R-A-G-D-O-C. So basically, it's a document you want to keep and to, on things that you can brag about yourself. And those are things that includes your previous review of performance, any awards that you've done, you've, uh, you've collected. Are there any successful projects? Do you receive any email messages, WhatsApp from customer, coworker? Uh, are there data that shows that your action helped the company save money, make money, those kind of stuff. And importantly is whether you may have be able to give the company some return on investment uh, based on whatever ideas that you've put out there. And th these are things that I believe you will want to arrive at maybe a one, two page kind of length. Uh, and that will give you the, that will give you sufficient supporting document and evidence to go into the meeting room or go into your boss office to really discuss the salary matter. And again, going back to 
collecting and tracking all this, I realize it is very difficult for most of us, especially Asian contacts. We are all like, yeah, okay lah, it's like that one lah, it's part of my job lah. Yeah, people we, will see like they know I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Like, we, oh my goodness. We, we, we yeah. tend to, ha- we have this tendency to play down oh, uh, our achievement. Whereas if you look at Ang Mo, oh, opposite one. Oh, you don't want to take credit. Ah. I claim I claim the credit. So that, that makes <laughs> it very hard. So I, I one of the things that I am also trying to uh, advocate for people to consider is schedule it into your calendar. Uh, it could be a daily thing, it could be a weekly thing, end of the week, end of the day. Put in that calendar indication to prompt you, what is your past week achievement? What is your uh, achievement today? What is a good thing that happened to you today? Just keep collecting it down. You don't have to write nice essay, you don't have to polish the words. The idea is to collect enough information. So just before you're ready to go and have the salary discussion, then you can start to prune and cherry pick. Okay, mm. I've written 100 items so far. Force rank, which is the top 10. Ah, this top mm. 10, let me deep dive. The rest, I put on side first. So I think it has to be a regular exercise so, and really take stock. La. It's something like, you know, tracking our steps. Of course, it's made easy with our smartwatch. La. So we know, oh, today 8,000 steps, yesterday 7,000 steps. But when it comes to work, you don't have that mechanism. So you have to do it manually. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. And and just now you talk a little bit about saving money and making money for a company. I thought it was interesting because maybe some of our listeners, right? in fact, I, I would say may, maybe most of our, many of our listeners may not have direct impact in like making more money or saving more money for a company, right? They, they may be in an operational role. They may be part of the process. They are not like front, you know, salespeople quite easy to evaluate, right? Because sell a lot means means good, lah, right? Or people in cost-cutting, quite clear, right? But what about everyone else in between? Is that the core idea of how companies measure? Because I can understand why companies measure these things, right? The, the sole profit of a, a sole goal of a company is to profit, right? That's the main me- mechanics behind it. But how important is it? And... Is everyone else subjected to the same kind of premise? I think for most private uh, profit-oriented companies, it will make sense unless you are trying to work in the civil you mean service. Like almost all, right? <laughs> well, but, well, I mean, <laughs> unless civil... you hire by public la, or true something, la, true. Yes, 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 civil service. Correct, yeah. Yes. Charity, maybe so, maybe partially. But that's a very good question and I've been asked by some candidate about that as well. So the way I try to frame it to them is, okay, think of your role and imagine if you just disappear for five days. What's the worst that can happen? And how expensive would those things actually work out to be? So for instance, let's say you do, I don't know, QC, QC in a factory. Five days, you just pong tang, you MIA. What's going to happen? Don't, oh. don't, uh, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> Hypothetically, uh, just an example. Don't, don't, we hypothet... Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So imagine five days MIA, what's going to happen? Or oh, error rate may go up. Lo. And error rate go up, what, what does it mean? Oh, um, we have to manufacture more to compensate for <laughs> the the wrong man, uh, wrong things that we manufacture. La. Is that going to add cost to the company? Yeah, it's going to add cost to the company. And then you can work out lo, exactly the kind of cost that you are actually saving, the kind of damage that you are actually preventing. Because if you think about it, it actually occurs to even insurance. What? Insurance, how do you put a price to it? It's the kind of damage that you are literally preventing. Data protection officer, how do you help the company save money? Because of me, you won't have data breach. You don't have data breach, you don't have to pay $1 million fine to, I don't know, like IMDA or whoever. So there are still ways for you to monetize or to quantify your achievement. It is just trying to think of it from a bigger picture, not just within your small role. So I think the best way is just to imagine if you literally were to disappear, 
what kind of material impact will happen within the company. That will give you a clearer idea of how to quantify it. Nice, nice. And I, I then, and I think the different sectorial unions should should think of this also, right? How to help your people quantify, you know, based on the the benefit that they can do. Yeah, great. So. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much uh, point number two of keeping track of your performance uh, as you as you go along, and eventually when you want to ask, then you start to prune down. Like, <laughs> I think I think that's a that's a good thing, and uh, bring us to point number three. Then tips before asking for more money. And point number three is to make sure that you ask at the right time. So timing plays a big part. As we mentioned, don't ask at the on, toilet, la. Yeah, don't ask at the toilet. You don't, you, you know, your boss at the urinal. You're next to the urinal, and then it's like, hey, boss, boss, can you okay? You know, can we? Add? Can I? Can I? Can I? Can I come closer to you and can tell I you talk something to you about this? So asking at the right time, I think, matters a lot, and there are certain things you have to take into consideration. Uh, for very big structured companies, they actually set their annual budget, uh, three, four okay. months before. Uh, sometimes even longer. So you want to time it right. Usually, I think three to maybe uh, four or five months prior to the budget, that will be a great time for you to sneak in your your angle to let your boss know so that he can account for this kind of changes as well. Because salary salary increment, all this uh, money, and when this, all these costs are involved, right? all the department head has to account on. So you might as well let him know upfront. And the other thing, of course, is to make sure that you you want to plan it during your assessment period. So there are certain companies that actually has very structured assessment period. Like for instance, our company I work with, their assessment period was every June and every December. So that is their typical uh, on-cycle increment, on-cycle salary changes. Uh, meaning to say, if you try to February, backside Ichigo and Asa, they will tell you, then you must tell me what you have done exceptionally exceptionally well that I need to give you an off-cycle increment, which makes your case even harder because right now, you know, 100 items not enough. You need 200 items. So oh, make- what, what if the case, what if the case is someone else is paying me more? Like like so, someone else is, you know, I put myself out there and I randomly one day, I feel like, wow, I'm very unhappy with this uh, colleague of mine or my manager. And then I just go to LinkedIn, right? And then now it's a seller's market. Right? And then uh, I get all these offers. I go through an interview and then and then that is my basis of like, oh, you know, this company pay me four, that company pay me four, five, right? Can I take that thing and come back to my boss and in an off salary cycle and say, hey, another company is paying me more. Are you going to increase my pay? keep me? That's, that's a good question. And usually under such instance where a counter offer will come into play, the on-off cycle thing become immaterial already. Mm, because mm. as long as the hiring manager is desperate to keep this headcount, they would just motion the HR to do whatever is needed. And sometimes when it comes to such increment, right, it may even come in the form of, oh, then we package it as a promotion. No? So somewhat mm. to work around that on-off cycle kind of thing. So all these are entirely possible. It really depends on the organization itself. There are some other organization which is a bit more unique, like the one that, there's one company that I know of, they allow you to seek a increment through a promotion or through a rank grade increment any time of the year. You basically have to raise a business case. And a business case has to include things like uh, what you have done over and above, and you have a panel of people who will review your business case anonymously to decide whether you deserve the promotion or not, whether it's by rank grade or by title. 
And if you did not make the cut, then you have to wait another six months uh, to accumulate more experience. So those there are some companies that don't have such practices. But for companies that does have, you would want to make sure you align to those cycles so that you are able to make an easier case for yourself. Uh. Of course, you also have to look at where your company is standing right now. I think if people working in, for instance, the hotel industry right now, you know, <laughs> try to ask for, hey, you know, I think I deserve a 30% increment. Wow, you're the first one to be fired. <laughs> I need to cut costs. <laughs> so I, I think you have to take that into consideration as well uh, because all this will have a part to play. And back to timing. Uh, but this also tell us something else. In September, F1 is happening again. Ma. Assuming all mm. things go back to normal, the hospitality industry may see the inflection point. That means we probably go back to where we were before and things were slowly picked up. Lah. And that could be perfect timing for you to then consider putting in that salary request. So you want to take all this into consideration. And of course, uh, there are also certain things you, you want to time. Maybe you got a recent award, lah, some success like I mentioned in the papers. Lah. Uh, within the HR industry, they have HR of the HR Manager of the Year Award. So all these are great mm. timing, especially when you're able to get some good PR for the company. So those are very much at the uh, company scheduling level. But at the individual scheduling level, I think as you were jokingly mentioning earlier on, don't do it at the toilet. In the same vein, you want to pick a day where your boss is less stressed, lah, less busy. You know, you don't Monday morning coffee haven't put near the mouth. Huh? Hey, boss, boss, I got things to tell you. Was she frustrated? <laughs> who, who wants to have a decent conversation? So you want to think mm-hmm. about that and you may want to then uh, put it more towards, assuming every week is a typical week, maybe closer towards Thursday, towards Friday, that might make more sense. And when you want to want to set up such conversation, right, you may also want to give them a heads up. Lah. Because if you want to ask them for some numbers to give you some indication, most department heads or reporting officer may not have the full figure. They need to check with HR. And if your company's HR is not in Singapore, or maybe the HR here need to ask the HR in UK for permission. You got to wait. Lor. So rather going in, oh, I catch you off guard, guns blazing, bang, 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 I get my salary. You may want to give them the heads up. Hey, you know, two weeks later, can we say, can we put, uh, can we set up a session? It's about, you know, about my salary. Uh, I am thinking that uh, we can relook into it so that he or she can gather more information and to make that thing really very fruitful for you. I, I want to dig a little bit deeper on the thing about inflection point that you pointed out. So the example was F1, right? So let's say F1 comes in and then you know that the whole hospitality thing is roaring back and the whole place is booked out. You know, although that is the F1 example, I think there are a lot of other cases where or maybe you work in a marine company or you work in another huge company that is at an inflection point where they just sign a project, right? So, and it's already confirmed. That means they signed it already. Should I take this opportunity to ask for a raise or should I wait to the end of the project? Because the reality is by the end of the project, the stress level is not as high, you know, in the company, right? So it may it doesn't sound like the best time to be opportunistic, you know? It's like, what well, right at the crux? I know my whole hotel is booked out, you know, for this season. The hotel is roaring back up. I should ask now or should I ask after the F1 season or after the big project? It doesn't sound like as opportunistic, you know what I mean? I, I completely understand. I, I do think it makes sense to ask much earlier rather than later. Mm. Because when it's earlier, when everything has been planned out and then suddenly you tell your boss, hey, uh, I think I want to leave. Uh. I got a counter offer. Uh, given that mm. F1 is happening tomorrow, most likely your company will 
to some extent bend over backwards lah, to accommodate you. Mm-hmm. Can you can you at least tahan, you know, uh, serve a longer yeah, notice? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what I was yeah. thinking. F1 only one two week, ma, tolong, tolong. Yeah. But after yeah, yeah, F1, yeah. hey boss, you see, I did a good job during F1. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? No one salary. F1 no more, you know? And just and imagine, after F1, immediately lockdown. So mm-hmm. again, that doesn't mm-hmm. also serve you much purpose. So I think you have to strike while the iron is hot and while your value is being seen as much more and your contribution and your presence is much more significant at that point in time uh, because things hasn't happened. When things has happened, most likely you have also given the company sufficient time to hire more people, train more people, uh, find a potential replacement or your deputy. So at that point in time, when you try to play or try to pull some stun, right? I think your company may be much better prepared. Uh, okay, lah. actually, you know, uh, Roger who has been shadowing you, right? I think he can take over you. Lah. Yeah, maybe I'll just give him, <laughs> let, let him give a go. Lah. Nice, nice, nice. And nothing specific to Rogers listening in. Uh. <laughs> but yes, yes, I think I think this is very, very good, very good first part. And definitely, I think by extension, we need to recognize that asking for money is not it's not a flat situation. That's not mean it needs to be combative. Right? There, there are many other ways to ask for it. You are just pursuing your own interests. Don't need to paise and don't need to assume that ask for money means it must be combative. It is uh, in part one, I think we explore the idea of being prepared. So before you go and ask for money, what are some of these ideas that you should do? What are some tips that can support you? So with that, um, these are the three points for before asking for your money. Number one is find out your net worth, right? So compare with people in the same industry. Try not to compare with people of different industry I mean you can but the reality is different industries are different and there are certain premise and uh, even the size of the company that you work in uh, try to find things that are a bit similar but there are a lot of tools out there like salary board you know and many other things that uh, Adrian has shared with us that can give you more information to essentially get a gauge of what you are actually worth and is there a disparity given where you are paid today and point number two is to keep track of how you did and what you did right so in other words don't pay Right, right now, all the things that you've achieved and if you can put it into a daily practice or a weekly practice, that'll be even better. So eventually, when the time is right, you can prune down and uh, have a very beautiful thing to share with your boss or your manager. It's like, I do this, do this, do this, right? So I think that uh, helps your case uh, before asking for money. And point number three is to make sure you're asking at the right time. Don't ask at a weird time, you know, when you're interacting <laughs> with your boss and uh, certain sectorial situations. I think all these are very important and if you can ask at the right time, like maybe uh, what Roger did, right? Or like, <laughs> maybe like what, what Adrian said about asking in a good opportunity where your company actually needs you, right? So yourself, your worth is a lot higher in the inflection point. I think that will give you a much higher opportunity rather than uh, the, the comfortable time because I think a lot of people in Asia they, they think like oh yeah maybe when, when things are more settled down then I ask by then um, your negotiation power may not be as strong so with that I hope you learned something useful today see ya hey I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to build your life with the financial coconut knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared debated and discussed join our community telegram group follow our socials and our newsletter everything is in the description below and if there was one thing if there was one thing in this universe that I really hope you can do is to share this on your socials I know I asked you to do so many things right so share this on your socials partner with us help us grow this network further with a bigger reach we can do more content and serve you in um, more ways right so help us 
Join us in this journey to grow this network and share this on your socials and continue to learn great stuff together. See you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay, so as you can tell by now, I'm a pretty responsive content creator, right? So if you talk to me about what you want to learn on the Telegram group, and if you have some feedback, I tend to take your feedback uh, pretty pretty seriously because like, yeah, you, we ran a poll and you coconuts want to learn this. So um, I'm going to go about doing some of these things where I may not know these things the best. So I will bring on someone else to come on to essentially do a three-part monologue, which is what I always do, but you know, in a in a facilitated monologue fashion, right? So yeah, yes, because there's only so much that we know individually. It's always great to bring on some friends and I hope you like this new format. You will hear more of it and uh, let's keep refining as to how to make this better. So all these facilitated monologues, what I call facilitated monologues, will exist on Tuesdays together with my usual monologues and yeah, I'll bring some friends on to share specific segments or specific ideas that you know, I think they are better suited to uh, work with me on this. Next week! Next week's fun, right? So I'm going to try to interject, right? So you don't fall through this whole thing, right? Because imagine this week, uh, career. Next week, also career. Third week, also career, right? <laughs> People that want to focus on it, great. What about everyone else that don't? So next week, I'm going to interject. So every week, I'm going to interject one thing, huh? Before three parts, we'll finish the series. So next week, I'm going to talk a little bit about my experience in Paris. So it's going to be titled Reggie in Paris. So, uh, yeah, uh, not, not, uh, not a reference to Emily in Paris. Duh. <laughs> so my experience in France is very interesting. But at the same time, I'm extremely shallow. I don't really know much about France. So let's be real. Uh, my reference to Paris is really Emily in Paris. So I'm going to share with you my experience next week just to you know spice things up a little bit I know markets are crazy uh, general atmosphere is a bit heavy so yeah next week we're gonna have some fun talk about my experience in Paris and give you some tips and tricks uh, if you so happen to want to come over to France for holiday so I'll see you next week <laughs>